So hello everyone and welcome to the first of a two-part episode, part one being recorded uh, right now and uh, part two will be next week and the reason for that, I'm recording this episode prior to seeing the new Lion King movie and I shall be recording part two to this episode after I've seen the new Lion King movie which will probably be at some point early next week, just because of when I'm going to be off work. Now, for me, I I dare say The Lion King, I've written about it on my website before, it's probably, for me, the most iconic, beautiful, uh, moving, and just plain wonderful piece of work that I've seen from, from Disney, which is... High praise indeed when you consider all the stuff Disney have done and how many great films Disney have done. But to me personally, The Lion King is, is the very best of the best. I absolutely love that film and it will easily stand as one of my all-time favourite films until the day I die. Uh, irrespective of what else comes along, I think the original will always be up there in my, in my top five, I dare say, movies that I've ever seen. And the funny thing is, uh, The Lion King, if you know any of the behind-the-scenes stuff about The Lion King, it was never actually backed by Disney. Uh, in, in, you know, Disney, they, when they started to make The Lion King in earnest in 1991, I believe it was, they also started to make another film by the name of Pocahontas. And because Pocahontas spoke to... Uh, Disney's American audience about you know American history, the very early days of American history, and therefore had a lot of cultural significance. Most of the animators working um, or that had a choice for working on these films chose to work on Pocahontas. It was the one that kind of had the most backing to succeed. So that left the remaining uh, people working on The Lion King kind of feeling, and if you've ever watched the behind-the-scenes documentaries about the original Lion King. They even kind of used this phrase, they had a chip on their shoulder, they had something to prove. They wanted the Lion King to succeed, to kind of defy expectations and defy defy Disney a little bit, perhaps, with that one. But Lion King's origins actually go back a bit sooner. They go back to, uh, a bit earlier I should say, sorry. They go back to, well, I suppose you could say the earliest genesis of the idea was in 19... 19- 88, uh, involving some discussions among among sort of producers and that kind of thing uh, regarding where they wanted to go. And there was this idea about doing a film set in Africa. And if you read up about the original ideas and you've seen the behind-the-scenes stuff and you've seen the extra footage on the DVDs, some of these ideas are very, very different to The Lion King that you have now. It wasn't called The Lion King originally, it was called King of the Jungle. Uh, it involved lions versus baboons. Uh, it had some some very different ideas and, and themes. And it, of course, gradually evolved and changed until it became the film that we know and love today. It involved, you know, some... It originally had two directors. It still has two directors um, by the time they were finished, but... One of them quit the project because Disney wanted it to be a musical, and he didn't. You know, in hindsight, you kind of think to yourself, wow, 
this film could have been so different. It could have looked so different. And imagine The Lion King without the songs. It's very hard to imagine The Lion King without those amazing songs, which are part, I think, of why The Lion King is so well-remembered. Everyone knows the circle of life, I think. Uh, everyone knows Akuna Matata, and yet the film could have had none of that. How well received would it have been then, you wonder? So, it had kind of perhaps slightly painful origins, The Lion King, and it also tapped into uh, some personal stuff for a number of people working on the movie, uh, including, uh, among others, Hans Zimmer, uh, who uh, was responsible for a lot of the musical score, uh, who sadly lost his father at a young age. And so the film, bearing in mind the film was largely about that relationship between father and son, that film spoke to him uh, in quite a powerful way, as it did for quite a few people. And the people working on it were determined for it to be a success. And as we know, of course, 25 years later, yes, it has been 25 years since The Lion King first came out. It's become a cultural phenomenon. That's the only way to describe it. It's been a huge success as a movie. It remains the highest grossing hand-drawn animated film of all time. 25 years on. It has... Uh, spawned a global musical which has been a, a smash hit around the world which has made Disney quite literally billions of dollars that's just from the musical forget the movie for a second here forget the merchandise the musical uh, if you tally up its worldwide receipts has made Disney billions and the musical I have to say I've seen it twice in London it's breathtaking it's absolutely amazing. And what they've done uh, with it, bearing in mind the challenges, I suppose, of, of taking the film, and it's by its very nature, you know, it's about animals. Translating that into a musical was a huge ask, and yet they managed to do that in brilliant fashion. Uh, and, yeah, as I say, it's an absolutely glorious thing to see. If you get the chance to see the musical, I would urge you to do so, please, because it's amazing you will not regret it. And this film, which no one really expected too much from, has gone on to become this, this global sensation. Whereas Pocahontas, don't get me wrong, it was successful on its own right. It hasn't kind of stuck in the memory, I suppose, uh, in the way that The Lion King has. The Lion King sits alongside other big top Disney moments, like, for example, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Aladdin, uh, The Little Mermaid, and it, it sits there very, very proudly. But speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, uh, among others, as we know, Disney have been remaking some of their some of their films. They've gone back and done what they term to be live-action remakes. The Lion King, of course, isn't really a live-action remake as such, uh, although it's done in a way which looks live-action. And this has been a theme of Disney's lately. They've been going back and they've been revisiting, revisiting their own past uh, in order to perhaps shape their future a little bit. Now, there's been 
you know, mixed feelings over this pattern of remakes. The question mark around uh, some of these films is, did they even need to be made? Which is a question which has come up about the Lion King remake. A question that I myself have asked about the Lion King remake. Does it need to exist? Uh, did the Aladdin remake need to be made? What about Beauty and the Beast? Uh, a few years ago, Disney remade Cinderella. Uh, you could argue they remade uh, Sleeping Beauty through the film Maleficent. In fact, you go back a bit further, Disney's remake trend, you could argue, started with 101 Dalmatians. Albeit there's a bigger gap uh, between you know, the original and the new one for those. And to be fair, there's quite a big gap between the two Cinderella's, of course, and there's quite a big gap between Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent. Whereas with Beauty and the Beast, with Aladdin and with The Lion King, there's a fair march of years now between the originals and the new ones, but it's not as big a gap as uh, with some of the other films. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why Disney are making these films now, because whereas with, like, say, for example, uh, Cinderella, there were probably not that many people who um, would have seen the original film when it first came out who were around to see the new one. So although there have been plenty of people that have you know, since seen the original Cinderella on video and DVD and so forth who would then want to go and see the new one, with films like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King and so forth, you'll have generations who distinctly remember the film coming out originally and it would evoke lots of nostalgia and therefore they feel encouraged and compelled to see the new film because of that. So it's a little bit cynical by Disney. It's a ploy to get people into the cinemas to watch their films. They're tapping into that spirit. But Disney exists to make money. They're a business and they're very good at making money. And at the end of the day, you can't fault a business for trying to do that. Every business exists to make money. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. And they're very good as well, Disney, at understanding, understanding nostalgia, understanding how to pluck on the heartstrings. They understand the power of these emotional connections to these films. And so they're exploiting them. It's why I think Beauty and the Beast can be considered to be uh, quite a successful remake in terms of, uh, certainly in terms of the box office. Uh, and as a film, I've got to say, it was it was entertaining. It was pretty good. I don't think it's as good as the original, but it was good. I haven't seen the new Aladdin film yet. My wife has seen it. Uh, she absolutely loves the original. Uh, and she was, well, as, as someone who absolutely adored the original, she has mixed feelings about the remake especially in terms of Will Smith's genie uh, and a few other things as well regarding the story. And it does seem like that's maybe been a bit of a misfire for Disney uh, with that one. And then, of course, we come to The Lion King. We come to the new Lion King film. I've had a chance to listen to the soundtrack. I think the songs are very faithful to the original songs. They've tweaked them a little bit, of course, uh, there's already been some noticeable dialogue changes overlapping with the songs. That's to be expected. But I like them. 
I like what they've done uh, with the music. They've remained very faithful to the original score. In fact, they got Elton John back, among others, to rework it for the new film because they wanted that original influence. They had so much respect and reverence for what uh, you know people like Tim Rice, like Hans Zimmer, like Elton John did, um, Lebo M as well, of course. They had so much respect for what they originally did that they wanted to get their influence back for the new one. And it's, I think it's paid off in terms of the music, at least. The film itself looks absolutely gorgeous. The trailers and the clips, it all paints a picture of this amazing, vibrant world that looks absolutely stunning. You could be forgiven for thinking you're genuinely right there on the, on the plains of Africa. It looks the real deal. Which goes to show how incredible this technology is. It evolved from, I think, the technology they used in the, in the Jungle Book remake. And they've just taken it a step further with that, with The Lion King. And we have this... We have this gorgeous world. You know, there's no way to describe it. It's absolutely mesmerising. And... From what I can gather... It, it will be a great film. Of course, the proof is in the pudding. I haven't seen it yet. That's what part two of this is going to be about. Once I've seen it, I can decide for myself if I like it or not. Um, the critics, I think, have been a bit mixed. Not so much because they don't like the film, I think, but because they come back to that original question, did it need to exist? And, you know, you could you could say that, no, it didn't need to exist. But then again, you could say that the original film didn't need to exist. Uh, from a purely kind of boring ultra-logical, let's not be anything other than human, or let's not be human kind of viewpoint, did the original Lion King need to exist? Did the original Aladdin need to exist? They're movies, they don't need to exist. Uh, but we want them to exist because they provide us with a bit of escapism, they provide us with some drama, they provide us with these amazing coming-of-age tales, uh, stories of bravery, stories of courage, uh, stories that can be tinged with sadness, stories that can make us laugh, you know, stories that make us go, wow, they don't need to exist, none of them do, and yet they do, because we want them to, and I think with The Lion King, I'm so grateful that the original certainly exists, because it really touched me in a meaningful way back when I was younger, and I'm grateful for the remake, because it looks absolutely amazing, I was a bit nervous when they first announced it. But now, as I look kind of towards it, as it's kind of almost here, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I am so grateful that they've made it for a new generation. And I think there are going to be so many people who perhaps haven't seen the original who are going to be amazed by this. And for those that have seen the original, there will be a bit of trepidation going into the cinema. But equally, I think my, my gut tells me I'm going to be blown away. I'm absolutely going to love it. But, as we know, part two of this video, which will be at some point next week, will let us know exactly what we make of it. Thank you for listening.